You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Today on Preaching Source, we are delighted to have Dr. Mark Howell, who uh, has served not only as a pastor for 25 years, but he's also taught in three different Southern Baptist seminaries. So he comes to us as someone who is well-versed in both the theory and the practice of preaching. Dr. Howell, welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you, Dr. McCarty. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you have recently transitioned in ministry. You uh, served First Baptist Church of Daytona Beach, Florida, and now you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area uh, area at Hunter's Glen Baptist Church in Plano. I wonder if you could share, with, especially with the pastors who are listening, some insights into how to make a successful transition uh, and also how to create a preaching plan when you move to a new church and a new ministry. Well, one of the first things that I want my church to understand is my commitment to expository preaching. My life is built upon standing under the authority of Scripture. So from the outset, as I began my ministry at Hunter's Glen, I wanted my people to get a flavor, not just of a new pastor, but of the convictions and the heart of a new pastor. So I am beginning early in my ministry at Hunter's Glen to walk our people through Scripture consecutively. And I've chosen at this point in a new ministry to begin with a, a series of messages on Matthew's uh, the Beatitudes. So it is important for me that my people understand. In fact, I've, I've taught them that we don't we don't determine a worldview based on what we think. We determine a worldview based upon what the Bible says. And I like to tell them this way. We view our world through the lenses of the Bibles. We don't interpret our world through the lenses of our own experience. So for me, the best thing that I could do to give people a flavor of my pastoral leadership is to model that in my pulpit ministry. And I did that in Daytona as well, preaching through books of the Bible, uh, helping people to understand that what I think is not as important about uh, life as it is what God says. And the only way to really capture what God says is to go through God's Word in the exact way that He has written it. And by that, consecutively, verse by verse, through books of the Bible or various sections of the Bible. So I set that out right from the very beginning. I wanted my people to see that, understand that. I would say in my ministry now, two and a half months in, there's no question that my people don't get that because it's being modeled. At least I'm attempting to model that for them every week. Dr. Howell, you, you know because you uh, served in the classroom, in the seminary, and also in the pulpit in the local church, uh, every preacher has come to those moments in ministry when he has said to himself, oh, wow, they didn't teach me this in seminary. So since you've lived in both of those worlds, uh, do you have a, a, an insight or two from your own pastoral ministry where you said to yourself, wow, that that's not something I learned in seminary or it's not something I taught in seminary? It, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, the problem with being a pastor in a local church is that there are people 
in that local church. And then you take the personality of the pastor and you combine it with the personality of the church and the people of that church, and you have all kinds of issues. So one of the things that you learn very quickly is theory is one thing, practice is another thing. And you have to learn to interact with, to spend time with, to get to know your people. I, I, I give you a good illustration of this. We were in a, I was in a meeting with a bunch of pastors this past week, and we were talking about how we plan worship services. We sit with our worship pastors and we sit in a room and we plan what we're going to preach and the theme of the message and then the theme of the service and the songs that we're going to sing. And as we're planning in this vacuum of a, of a room, a meeting room, uh, we believe that when we get into the worship center and we have worship, it's all going to happen a certain way. And I cannot tell you how many times we planned for something to just explode and take off in a worship meeting. And then we get into the worship service and it's like you lay an egg. In, in theory, it's all going to work together. But in practice, it doesn't come out the way that you want it to. I think I can give a parallel to that when I was in seminary. In theory, I preached the word. I teach the scripture. I love Jesus and spend time with him. Everybody was going to love me. I was going to be the greatest pastor they ever had. Five minutes into my first ministry, I realized that was not the case. And so there are some things, yes, you can learn. You can learn the skills. You can learn the science of, of preaching and science of pastoring and things you do and things you don't do. But yes, yeah, some things are best, best fleshed out on the anvil of real life church experience. And, and the only way that that will ever work successfully is for you to be a pastor who loves people, loves being with people, allows people to fail and they allow you to fail, and you learn together through the process. So there are many, many things that you encounter, you know, as you know full well. One of those things is business meetings and dealing with the issues of the various minutiae of, of running an organization like a church. Um, nobody teaches you those things. But again, I would just go back to this. I would say that if you build your life on a word-based ministry, if you stand on the authority of Scripture, it may not be easy, but it helps your people to see we're not going to argue or debate various minutiae in the life of the church. What we're going to do is we're going to find out what God says and line up under what God says in the context of that church. Uh, of, of what we do in our church. So it, every day is a journey and it's an experience in a local church. I, 25 years into ministry, I still am amazed at the things that I encounter on a daily basis. You, uh, you just spoke of the importance of, of people, that our, our ministry, our preaching is to people. Uh, sometimes we've heard a, a false dichotomy, or at least uh, uh, some people believe it's a false dichotomy, uh, between needs-based preaching and expository preaching. And I, I say false dichotomy because I've heard you say just that, that it's the belief that expository preaching is not needs-based preaching is built on a false premise. Talk just a little bit about how, in your experience, expository preaching, true text-driven exposition, really does meet people's needs. Well, again, it's a question of, do I know people's needs better than God who created them knows their needs better. 
God put us together. In fact, the scripture tells us we're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's nothing about us that God does not know. So when I seek to preach to my people, I can start with what I think they need to hear or what they're wrestling with in their lives. That's okay. But the best approach for me is to understand that God knows human nature. God knows people better than I know people. And if I allow his word to speak, he'll touch on things that I would never dream about touching on. You know, I've heard this said that God's word touches every key on the keyboard of the human heart. I don't know all those keys that you need to hear played in your heart, but God does. I think a good illustration of this, and for those who preach on a regular basis will understand this, how many times have you preached at the end of your sermon, somebody walks up to you and they say to you, when you said this today in your sermon, boy, it really spoke to my heart. And it might be that you were preaching, for example, on stewardship. I mean, you're preaching on faithful stewardship, giving, resources, money. And a person comes up to you and says, Dr. McCarty, when you preach today about forgiving my neighbor, I mean, God just really spoke to me. And in your mind, you're thinking, I never said that. I never once said that. Well, what happened there? My view is, is that what God did is he took his living and vibrant and active word in what you are proclaiming, and he touched somebody's heart with that word. And the application for that in somebody's life went a direction you never dreamed it would take. That's what I think about preaching expository sermons. God's word will touch every key of somebody's heart. We don't always know what those keys are. We allow God's word to speak, and eventually it'll hit those needs in somebody's life. Dr. Howell, you... Uh recently wrote a blog post and said that what preachers believe about the Bible will be the determining factor in how they preach it. Can you elaborate on that a little bit for us? My doctoral dissertation was a comparative analysis of expository preaching theory and a movement in preaching a number of years ago called the New Homiletic. I compared and contrasted five homileticians from each perspective. These are homileticians who wrote preaching theory. My conviction was, and my thesis was, that a preaching theory does not flow out of a vacuum. A preaching theory flows out of somebody's view of Scripture. So if I believe the Bible is inerrant, infallible, it is authoritative, that it speaks to every area of human life, that it is the sole criteria through which we view our world and interpret the events and circumstances around us, then my preaching theory is going to follow that I'm going to want to preach consistent messages that allow the Scripture to speak, not for me to speak, but allow for the Scripture to speak. Conversely, if I believe the Bible is non-propositional, if it speaks to uh, various issues in life, but it is non-propositional, that is, it doesn't speak in, in black and white terminology, uh, then my preaching theory is going to flow out of that, and I'll preach the Bible uh, uh, differently based on that. So if I truly believe the Bible is the Word of God, that God knows the human heart, that God knows better than I do, then I'm going to preach in a manner that is consistent to help people to understand what God says and allow Him to speak. You tell 
uh, you let me listen to a person preach, 10 minutes of listening to them preach, I can tell you instantly what they believe about the Bible. I can tell you very quickly what they believe about the Bible, how they handle the text, how they read the text, how they exposit and open the text before people. Five minutes in, you can learn a lot about how somebody thinks about Scripture. No question. When the Apostle Paul uh, spoke to the elders of the church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he charged them with preaching, proclaiming the whole counsel of God. Do you think there's a connection between that principle of preaching the whole counsel of God and what we would call real power, effective power in the pulpit? No question. And give you an illustration of this. We all have hot buttons that we love to preach and proclaim. Uh, If my heart is moved towards evangelism, then my tendency will to preach evangelistic messages. Uh, If my heart is that of, uh, of a theologian, I may tend to deal with some of the great doctrines of the faith. We all have hot buttons. We all have things that we like to preach. Well, Scripture is replete with truth from cover to cover, not just my hot buttons, not just things that I I want to preach. So when I'm committed to preach the whole counsel of God, I'm going to have to wrestle as a pastor with texts and topics that I might not fully be comfortable with. I may hit the controversial areas uh, that are happening in our culture. I may deal with sensitive issues like how people use their money. I may have to deal uh, with areas of life that I would just as soon not touch about leadership within the local church. Uh, Who who leads the local church? What is the right uh, manner of leadership in the local church? Just issues that could potentially be controversial. And quite frankly, many pastors and some listening to this podcast avoid certain topics because they're controversial. I understand that. I'm a pastor. I'm not looking for trouble. When you become a pastor, you don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble comes looking for you. We know that happens. But the reality is, is that I need to allow God's word to address issues and circumstances and perspectives that I might not just want to preach. So to give it some concrete uh, direction here, when you preach through a book of the Bible, you're forced to wrestle with what comes in the next verse of the next chapter. You have to wrestle with that. Uh, An an illustration of this from my early walk as a Christian, I call it the study Bible syndrome. You'll understand this. You're reading in your study Bible, your Bible, and it's a study Bible about different things. And you read about, for example, uh, this obscure text where it appears as if Paul baptized people for the dead in 1 Corinthians 15. And so you're, what does this mean? I've never heard of this before. I'm a new Christian. So you look in your study Bible down at the notes below, and lo and behold, guess what you discover? That study Bible doesn't have any reference to that. No notes about that whatsoever. They've totally avoided it. As a new believer, you're frustrated because you're curious about what does this mean? I want to know. Somebody tell me what this means. Or what does it mean that Paul preached the spirits in prison in 1 Timothy chapter 3? So what, what does this mean? You read in your study Bible, they don't touch it. I truly believe that a lot of people in our churches are trying to wrestle with things like that. They're trying to understand Scripture. They're trying to understand how Scripture directs, speaks to their life, and how it all makes sense. 
I think they probably go away more frustrated than they do fulfilled because their pastors are not wrestling with and grappling with the difficult texts in the Scripture. And so we have to make a commitment. Are we going to deal with it all, or are we just going to deal with what we deem is appropriate for people to hear? And admittedly, that's tough. There's some days when I read a text and I'm thrilled. If it's the Good Samaritan, I mean, that's a softball for a preacher, right? You can preach that one. But then what do you do when you deal with make friends with unrighteous mammon? You know, how do you deal with that? And so it makes you wrestle with it. I, I think that's exactly what Paul meant. In fact, you know, when Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said to them repeatedly in his letters to them, did I not tell you? Do you not remember? Did I not encourage you in this? Paul's ministry to the Thessalonians was a short time. You know, admittedly, we're not quite sure how short, but it wasn't a long ministry there. And yet when you read the Thessalonian letters, he talked about eschatology, the man of lawlessness. He talked about the return of Christ and, and the dead in Christ. And he, he talked about human sexuality. And, and he, he, he talked about a variety of topics. In only a short ministry, he took the people that deep. Why? Because he was committed to teaching them the whole counsel of God. I would just encourage anybody listening to the podcast today, make a commitment that you're going to expose your people to a breadth of biblical truth. And the best way to do that, not the only way, but the best way to do that is a consistent diet of verse-by-verse, book-by-book expository preaching. Dr. Howell, you have served on the faculty of three different Southern Baptist seminaries. I'm, I'm curious in, in your experience, uh, how are our seminaries alike in their approach to teaching, preaching, and, and what distinctives might we have? Great question. I just taught this last week at Midwestern Seminary, a PhD seminar in doctrinal exposition. I was thoroughly impressed with the students that sat in that seminar. To the person, each of those students was firmly committed to the authority of Scripture and to expository preaching and teaching. Um, I have found in my experience in the various seminaries where I'm able to teach, I am able to teach at Southeastern Seminary a Ph.D. seminar every January. The same thing is true. So I rejoice in what I'm seeing happen in all of our seminaries. I think it has been said best, if you want to tell the temperature of a church, put a thermometer in the pastor's mouth. And over time, that church will take on the temperature of that pastor, good or bad. I mean, sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes it's good. I think what we're seeing in our seminaries is you put a thermometer in the mouth of our presidents who truly believe in Scripture truly stand under its authority, who truly believe that the best approach to preaching is consecutive, faithful, dynamic exposition. And what follows are students who are committed uh, to that enterprise. Now, to be sure, each seminary takes on various nuances because the leadership in those schools is different. The geographical location is different. But what I've experienced in, in a very positive way, in a very encouraging way, is a movement that's taking place across our country, at least in Southern Baptist life, where there is a generation of pastors who are truly committed to teaching the Scripture. 
dynamically, enthusiastically, passionately, application-focused, but text-driven preaching. And it is an incredible uh, blessing to get to see that. And our churches are in, are in good hands. Now, we have a lot of work to do. There's no doubt we have a lot of work to do. Uh, but it is encouraging to see what's happening across the theological landscape of Southern Baptist Convention life. And I'll tell you, it is encouraging to see what's happening here at Southwestern uh, with the School of Preaching. And there's a lot of talk and a lot of excitement that the place of preaching... You know, I had a professor tell me, a colleague tell me one time, he said that the most important class that anybody will take in seminary is preaching. Of course, every professor will tell you their class is the most important. But he described it this way. He said, the reason that preaching is the most important is because when you learn theology or you learn New Testament or you learn philosophy or ecclesiology, whatever it is, if all you're doing is learning those things for the sake of your own knowledge and edification, your education is wasted on yourself. But if we are able through preaching to teach you how to take those great doctrines and things you're learning, to incorporate them through your preaching of Scripture in such a way that it is intelligible and understandable, uh, you are passing along what has been entrusted to you. So I, I truly believe that what's happening in our preaching uh, classes, our preaching uh, the, the places like the, the Center of Preaching at Southwestern, uh, the School of Expository Preaching, uh, is huge for the future of the church because you're teaching students how to take what they've learned and to pass it along to others. Dr. Howell, you mentioned the importance of good leadership from the presidents of our seminaries. You have a special relationship with Southwestern's uh, president, Dr. Paige Patterson. You are his son-in-law. And I'm wondering, from uh, your close-up uh, seat for many years into Dr. Patterson's life and ministry, uh, could you d tell us what you think his lasting legacy as uh, as a preacher and his contribution to preaching in Southern Baptist life, what, what do you think his legacy as a preacher and a teacher of preachers will be? Well, I can give you a good uh, a good story about him and, and knowing him for many, many years now, obviously being married to his daughter. When I began my first pastorate, I went through a particularly difficult time. Again, it was one of those things where I believed coming out of seminary, as you asked earlier, if I just preached the Bible and told people about Jesus, that everybody would love me and I would have a long and fruitful ministry without any problems. Uh, you know, again, 10 minutes into that first ministry, I realized that ministry was going to be, be tough. And uh, I called him and I said, Dr. Patterson, I'm struggling. And I, I did not anticipate that people would oppose uh, my ministry. They would say, make false accusations about me. Uh, I, I just, I'm really struggling. What should I do? And I had suspected that he would tell me, well, you know, you go attack your enemies or you stand up and beat them over the head with the Bible and, and all of those things. And he said, here's what I want you to do. When we hang up the telephone, he said, I want you to get up from your chair and I want you to go out to Main Street and I want you to walk down Main Street and I want you to tell five people about Jesus. He said, I want you to share the gospel with those people. And then after you share the gospel with those people, I want you to come back and then you can pick up the phone and then you can call me. He said, I think what you'll find is after you do that, that the problems that you're complaining to me about are not as great as you thought they were. You know, that spoke to my heart that day. 
And he said, before you hang up the phone, I want to tell you one other thing. He said, name one person who was greatly used of God in the entire uh, biblical text, Old and New Testament. Name one person who God greatly used who did not suffer in his ministry. He said, you can't name one. He said, let me tell you this. Why do you think you're going to be the exception to the rule? And I'll tell you, that encapsulates the heart of Dr. Paige Patterson. He has taken a huge stand in his ministry for what is right. And a lot of people know of him in his public persona and all of the contributions, the books, the seminary presidencies and two seminaries, his long tenure at Crystal College, of course, his stand in the conservative resurgence of the SBC. But what a lot of people don't know are the lumps that he took along the way. Uh, people who he thought loved him, who falsely accused him, the accusations that were hurled at him that were blatantly false, and, and, and so many other things. And I will tell you, while the public persona is so strong, deep down in a man's heart, those things hurt. But the one thing that he never lost in all of this was his desire for men and women and boys and girls to realize there's a God in heaven who redeems, forgives, and transforms. And the only way that could ever happen is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is nothing greater than you or I could ever do than to tell people about Jesus Christ. That is the impact that he has made on my life. And I guess if you were to ask the many students that sat under his leadership who knew him best, they would tell similar stories uh, of Dr. Page Patterson. Of course, we could talk about his preaching. There is no one who preaches the text in such a way that the text comes alive. There's no one who illustrates the text any better, but at the same time, who consistently provides a diet of solid food when you read and, uh, and study the scriptures with him. So I'm grateful that God has given him life and health and that he continues to lead at Southwestern Seminary. And if I could pick anybody to listen to, and there are a lot of preachers out there, he is at the top of my list of one of my favorite preachers to listen to, not just because he's my father-in-law, uh, but because he faithfully teaches, preaches, and exposits the scripture. We've had the pleasure of speaking with a great preacher and teacher of preachers today, Dr. Mark Howell, the senior pastor at Hunter's Glen Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. Dr. Howell, thank you for being with us today on Preaching Source. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be here.